One of the things that this pandemic has taught me is I don't get out enough. At least I haven't got out enough to uh, the northern part of our province. And I think that's something I'd like to do. I would like to go up and, and really do some fishing in some of those lakes and um, and discover what it's like to live in northern Ontario. Here it's absolutely beautiful, but it is very wild as well. And it's a tough existence. And we're hearing that it's an extremely tough existence this week on a remote community. Bearskin Lake, it's a Northern Ontario community that was making headlines earlier this week because more than half of the 400 or so residents had to isolate because of COVID-19. NDP MP Charlie Angus, who represents the adjacent riding of Timmins, James Bay, uh, has been very critical of the federal response to their plight in Bearskin Lake. And he joins the show now. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Give us the background, um, just if you can briefly, and timeline of how Omicron has been affecting this First Nations community. Well, Bearskin Lake is up in northern Ontario in the region of Treaty 9. You know, for your listeners to get a sense that this community, 75% of them don't even have access to water. Um, that this, is, this is Canada. Um, it is a very isolated, poor community. So when Omicron first hit... Um, you know, right away there are serious concerns because they have very few health facilities. They have very few uh, tools. There's no place to isolate people. Everybody, you've got 10 people living in a house. If someone gets Omicron, it's going to spread. So uh, on December 28th, they reached out to Patty Hadju, the minister, and said, listen, we've got a problem. We went from one case to 36 cases in 24 hours. Um, and then from that moment on, uh, it spiraled and spiraled, and yet the government delayed and delayed and sat back and hemmed and hawed. Uh, and then it became really clear as this community was completely overrun with Omicron to the point the community was breaking down. The government was going to wait it out and not do diddly squat. And apparently they repeatedly were asking for help for 10 days. So what was the military response? Because the government seems pretty chuffed um, to say that, well, the military's responded. We've helped them out. What was it? Well, this is what I think is really concerning is not only was this community completely overwhelmed um, so that there was no people who were physically able to keep um, like the they have to get wood to the homes to, to keep people warm. There was nobody able to do that. They couldn't get water because people were sick or in isolation. So they needed to get people in there quickly. Um, I wrote to Minister Bill Blair, uh, I think January 4th or 5th, saying, come on, like get, get, get a team in there to work with them. In the end, what they did was they just lied to the public. And I think this is what's really concerning. How did they lie to the public? Well, Patty Hatch, said she was going to send 40 personnel in. She never said. She never did that. She lied. She said, then she said they were helping to coordinate the people and the supplies on the ground. Who were on the ground were all the neighboring First Nations who were coming with skidoos and toboggans and everything, bringing supplies. The government did nothing on that. Bill Blair, when this thing blew up nationally, he lied by putting out a press release saying, you know, the armed forces were on the ground. What was on the ground were three local Canadian Rangers. That was it. That's all they put forward. They promised 40 personnel. There were three local Rangers who are like sort of Northern search and rescue helping out. They haven't done anything else since then. That's like a really astounding uh, indifference to a situation of this magnitude 
And it's way more concerning to me that they would lie. Like the Canadian military said they were talking to the community and the community was, quote, happy. And that's not true. The community is having to put out statements saying, no, you guys left this high and dry. You're, you're not here. Where are you? Can you give us uh, an idea of how many people, because we know that this is a Omicron, especially is a fast spreading variant of COVID-19. How many people have been vaccinated and for up in Bear? Uh, at Bear Skin Lake, Lake uh, yeah. we have very high uh, uptake uh, for vaccinations as through all the First Nation communities. The protocols in northern communities, they take this thing really seriously because they know if, if COVID hits, uh, it is... Uh, you know, it is it goes to code red disaster very quickly because they just don't have the health supports there. So they had very high levels of vaccinations. And I think that that will help people get through this. So we haven't had people being medevaced out. But, you know, this past um, this earlier this year, we had an earlier wave of COVID hit the community of Keshechewan. And we waited three weeks for the military to show up because we had no place to put uh, all the people in isolation. And by then the community was completely overrun. So the question is, is the federal government has an obligation. They have the resources, they have the tools, they could have helped. They decided not to. And what I cannot understand is why did they leave this community in Northern Ontario on their own? Are they trying to send a message to other first nation communities who will be hit with Omicron? Hey, don't bother calling us, pal. You're on your own. That's not acceptable in a country like Canada. Well, and so much for truth and reconciliation when a statement from the First Nations issued uh, said the situation and the promises made by Canada to Bearskin Lakes First Nation only serve as another example of a long history of dishonesty and neglect from Canadian governments. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of, a lot of truth when the government's spinning another narrative, according to you, and uh, and and reconciliation. I mean, where's where's the oh, yeah, right. We got it wrong for years and years and years. And now we're going to do right by you. Well, I think that that's, you know, at the heart of this is a question that Canada has marginalized Indigenous people in the North to the point that these reserves are often like internal displacement camps. They are badly underfunded in terms of basic infrastructure. I mean, 75% of the people don't even have running water. Um, And when they have a health emergency, what we get from the government and we get these, like, Anita Anand put this photo out last night of her in her office talking to the troops on the ground. Well, there's like three local guys. Are you telling me, Anita, that you had their cell numbers or are you just giving a spin? Because spin, I think, is a really dangerous thing at this time in our history. We need to say we're going to take seriously the situation facing First Nations. Reconciliation is going to be made real. And part of that is saying any region in our country who has a medical crisis gets the support they deserve because the government had no problem sending troops to Quebec to shuffle papers in the vaccine clinics and brag about it. Meanwhile, they're telling Bearskin Lake, too bad, so sad, you're on your own. That's not going to cut it with the Canadian people. Appreciate you uh, shedding light on what's going on there, uh, Charlie, because we are so far removed. That's for sure. Miles and miles away. But it is a Canadian story and it's an important one to hear. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Take care. NDP MP Charlie Angus, who represents a riding of Timmins and James Bay.